Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 1 and 2. A very short text. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When I was uh, uh, given this text, it appears to me at the beginning that because the text is short, uh, it's, it looks easy. And I know this is one of the popular verse or passage in the scripture. And I find it easy to memorize. Uh, but uh, when I look at it and studied it, I find it easy to memorize but hard to apply and hard to understand. Uh, even if, uh, because even at the beginning of the text, it says, therefore, whenever we will see that word, we know that it is connected to something. So I had to go back to chapter 11. And when I look at chapter 11, in the first verse, it talks about faith, the biblical definition of faith. And you know what? Just the word faith in itself is something big. Actually, uh, the, the meaning of the word faith alone has been a topic of many theological discussions and disagreement among the many denominations since the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century in, the Western, in Western Christianity. The difference has been largely overcome in the joint declaration of the doctrine of justification. The precise understanding of the term faith differs among the various Christian traditions, and I will talk more on that later on. Uh, but despite these differences, Christians generally agree that faith in Jesus Christ lies at the core of the Christian tradition and that faith is required in order to be a Christian. So when I, I try to look at that definition of faith and the faith uh, alone, the word faith, I find it hard. So how can I give a simple message out of this? And then when it, I go, I proceed on reading the verses in chapter 11. It talks about the Old Testament saints. Uh, their faith has been uh, uh, discussed. And even in verse 26, it talks about Moses. <coughs> In uh, verse 26, he, uh, he he, we see that uh, Moses, it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth 
than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Even at the time of Moses, uh, by faith, they saw already Jesus Christ, the Savior. And then it goes on discussing uh, the Old Testament saints and their examples. And then in verse 39, it says, And all this, though recommended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So that is the immediate context. It talks about faith. And then when you go on uh, to the context, in the context of the whole book, the, the book was written actually to encourage the uh, believers at that time, mostly Jewish, because of uh, their, uh, their faith, their newfound faith in Christianity. They are being persecuted by uh, their uh, fellow men, by other Jewish uh, Jewish people and so uh, they find it hard they find their life so difficult that they are tempted to go back to their former ways of life and beliefs so uh, the writer of uh, the books of book of Hebrews wrote this uh, this uh, book in order to encourage them now going back to our text in 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 uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, we ourselves, if we read it, we, I, don't, I don't know about you, but can you immediately find the connection when it talks about persecution? We're not really being persecuted here, right? We are living a life of freedom. We can do everything we want. We can buy everything we want. We can go anywhere we want. I've been in Saudi Arabia for 12 years. I worked there. It's not that easy. You cannot just go to the mall. You cannot go, just go to anywhere. You cannot just uh, talk to especially the opposite sex. That is how difficult life in Saudi Arabia. Here, no. You have the freedom. You have everything. And you can enjoy. So we don't see any immediate connection and we don't feel uh, importance, we don't see it like there is a need for us to uh, look deeper into it, right? But look at, try to uh, think about this way. The way I see it, almost all of us here are migrants. Right? Uh, we came from the, our country of origin in order to find better opportunities, better life, better jobs, and better living conditions, right? The first thing that we did when we arrived in Canada is find a good church, and find a good job. So, the first few months, we try to balance both of them. We find a job, we find a good uh, church, we attend the church, 
we attend our work. Then uh, after a few months, few, few days, few months, we find it all. Oh, I, I kind of uh, uh, getting adjusted to the, you know, the way of life in Canada, and uh, I find uh, branded things <laughs> in the mall. Uh, every time I will, every every time I'm in a quiet moments, I think about that. I I need that. I need that. I have to get that. So what happened is, uh, here comes Friday, and the supervisor asked for anybody wants an overtime. Said at first, I you said, no, not me. I'm going to church. Not me. So you attend the church, you did not get the overtime. I don't care about what that, that thing that I want. And then comes the next week. Friday comes, supervisor said, anybody wants overtime? Count me in. <laughs> Count me in. So you, uh, you attend the overtime. And then uh, you miss half of the church, or probably you don't miss the church. And then uh, the third week, you're struggling, struggling whether you attend the church or what. But uh, I really like that one. So you decided to go to get the overtime. And then, so it's something like that. And then it becomes more comfortable, more demanding. You find uh, the demands of life more attractive more difficult to you, you you oh i need cars then your family came i think i need more money to support the family i have cars already i have fam i i need house so slowly you slip down you forgot going to church and maybe you the truth is you don't forget. You really escape church because you wanted work more, get what you need, right? So it becomes uh, uh, worse and worse. So what, you, what is going on with me now? And that is how I see it at first. This text, this text, actually we see it we don't see it as it talks to us, but it confronts us. And even the text itself, it says, since we are surrounded by, let us cling, let us run before us. It talks to us. The text is confronting us. And what is the text confronting us? First, it confronts us about our way of life. Just what, just what as I said, uh, we're slowly dripping away from our faith. Uh, we're slowly uh, forgetting to uh, practice what the Bible and what we learned in the church. And then, uh, if that happens, 
what is the next thing that you should do after evaluating yourself and you find out, oh, uh, this is happening to me. I don't know, right now, uh, actually I'm thinking of titling my message as how are you doing? <laughs> because that is how I see here at first, how are we doing? So it talks about, it confronts us about our way of life. Are we becoming more the, of the world or of the faith? When we, when we notice that we are becoming more of the world, then the next thing you should do is, the text is confronting us about our, the spiritual health of our life, right? Uh, we are familiar with COVID. If you feel symptoms, what do you do next? You test antigel. Double means you are COVID positive. Same thing here. Now, after noticing you are, this is me, that is me. What you do next is you test your spiritual life. So, the test is, are some or all of the, of the above becoming the priority in our life? Are your faith getting compromised? Meaning, uh, are the, your priorities in, uh, becoming uh, more of the world? Or are you neglect, neglecting your faith priorities? Are, you, are your faith getting compromised? Are you doing things already that is opposite of what you believe? and what you learned from the scripture. Are your spiritual health suffering? Are you sinning already? No, let the Holy Spirit, God's word, be your judge, be our judge. Ask God to enable us to see ourselves the way God sees us. The text says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Notice even the things that are good in itself, sometimes they are those that hinders us in our faith. It, we, we're not saying they are bad, but we just have to be careful about it. We just have to be conscious about it. I like what the chorus of the song entitled Turn your eyes upon Jesus, says. The chorus says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thirdly, it confronts us of our way of life. It confronts us of our spiritual health. It confronts us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. The passage itself testified that life is hard. It says endurance. When we see that word, that means 
it is hard. There is a need for endurance. It will, uh, it will involve a lot of sacrifices. Many times you will be required to come out of your comfort zones. You will be asked to make hard choices, but ask, ask God's wisdom that you choose to make the right choices despite the difficult consequence. Sometimes right choices may result to losses and sacrifices. This is what happened in uh, our text. In, uh, in uh, chapter 11, we see in chapter 11, the later parts, after discussing the, the fate of uh, the Old Testament saints, it says here, Uh, in verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. All others suffered mocking and uh, flogging and even chains and imp imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sewn into, they were killed in, with sword, they were about in skin of sheep, goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Uh, and verse 38, it says, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And it says, all these Old Testament saints, though they were recommended for, for their faith, they were not able to receive the promise. Uh, what is more interesting for us is that last part of the, uh, the verse in chapter 11. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. You see, they sacrificed a lot, but they were only recommended. They did not see the birth of Christ. Uh, they did not receive the prize, but they were looking forward to that hope of the promise. Uh, for us, it's more easier because if we read these things, these uh, texts, we understand that it is true because Christ had been born again and he died already and he rose to heaven and he paid for our sin already. It's done. And yet, we fail we fail to look at that hope, to understand that hope. Secondly, the passage, this is what is good in the Word of God. It confronts, but also it encourages. So this passage encourages us to look for to look to Jesus in running our race. If you notice, if we go back to our text in chapter uh, 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated 
at the right hand of the throne of God. There are commas. After saying, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, comma, looking to Jesus, comma, and so forth. Uh, the way to understand this is, while I'm trying to understand this, this, this uh, text, I find it, so how can we run the race or our race that is set before us if life is that hard? And when the text confronts us, but still, it's, it's like saying, yeah, it's hard. Still, it's hard, but still you have to run the race. And then, Kama, how do I run if it is this difficult? It says, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. So the passage encourages us to look to Jesus for strength and endurance. Why? Because the text says he is the author and finisher. The other uh, translation used the founder and perfecter of our faith. Uh, something is huge in that part too. Uh, the word our is not really in the original text or the, in the original manuscript. It's like saying, Jesus, uh, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith. Uh, the reason why I pointed out that, that part is because, uh, remember I, when I first said in the, in the introduction that there has been uh, theological discussions in the meaning of the word faith, that is one problem with it. Because in the tradition, if you will notice, even us here, sometimes uh, we say that I strengthened my faith to overcome or fight that temptation or difficulty in life. Uh, must, it's, it's more... Uh, it catches more attention in Tagalog. The, when we say, uh, pinaglabanan ko talaga, nilakasan ko ang aking pananampalataya. I, I really did my best to strengthen my faith. Because we put my ahead of faith. And then sometimes we, see, we say, your faith should be strong to be able to run with endurance the race that is set before, before you. Or my faith in God is strong. That's why when we define faith, when we put the pronoun, it may be our intention is not like that, but because that is how it has been put up, that is the understanding of I don't know about you. Uh, I know deep at the back of our mind, we're saying that is the faith, that is the faith that is in me because I believe in God. But sometimes it is distorted in the actual practice when you say, my faith, my faith, your faith. Uh, it becomes 
the actual practice becomes you're exerting, you're trying, you're... But you see, that is what we have been talking about since for a month ago, that no matter how, uh, how hard we try it, we will not be able to master faith. Faith is only good as it is connected to Christ. Faith is only good as the object of faith, which is Christ. I like what, uh, I like the discussion in the Sunday school this morning. Uh, sisters had mentioned about uh, the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, when they sinned. Even there, they can talk to God directly. They can see God face to face. But can you say that they have faith? They sinned. Because the truth is, even from the beginning, we don't have that, as Pastor Sunny is saying, free will or genuine faith. Everything that we do, everything that happened to us is influenced by something. And when that happens, when that happens, that is not free will. When we say, my faith, that is generally influenced by what you think and what you believe. That is not what God, that is not the faith that Jesus founder, founded. He is the founder. He is the inventor, the finisher of faith. Uh, to illustrate that, that uh, what I'm saying, uh, you notice in uh, the life of Peter's faith, Mark chapter 14, verse 29, when he said, even though all fall away, I will not. Ma that's Mark chapter 14, verse 29. John chapter 13, verse 37, he said, Why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, Even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Their faith. For Peter, my faith. It's a little bit blurred. Uh, you don't really, see. I don't know how to explain it, honestly. But I hope to God that what I'm saying here will resonate in our life, in our, in our thinking, and God and the Holy Spirit help us to understand it. Uh, I'm referring to that faith, that when you look at Jesus Christ, that faith that you have is he is the founder and perfecter of that faith. Not the faith that this is what I believe, this, this is what they believe, and they are saying, uh, I believe this because this is, I believe in God. It's like the faith that is only in the mouth, but not in the heart. Well, again, uh, I was... 
uh, I keep on thinking with uh, the text that uh, Brother Virgil used uh, last week in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, it's, uh, which says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I was thinking, why will Peter say, Lord, if it is you, command me to come into the water? I'm thinking because he is a fisherman, he knows that that kind of, that kind of storm is deadly. Because he's a fisherman, he encountered it many times already. And according to tradition, that area is really a storm-prone uh, area. And being a fisherman, he encountered it. He knows that if he step on the water, that's the end of it. And even the disciples, nobody step out. But then, why would Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me. He will not step out because he knows that that is dangerous. But when Jesus said, come, what happened? He stepped on the water. That is the faith coming from Jesus. And then when he saw around, when he looked at around, what happened? He sank. Because what? He see something else other than Jesus. If he focus on to Jesus, then he has that faith. But he, the, he turned away. He looked to Jesus and he sink. And then what did Jesus said? It's good. He said. So Peter uh, said, "Lord, help me." And Jesus reached out immediately, but Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That is referring to his faith. Again, I don't know how to better explain it, but I hope I'm sending you something to think about here. What I'm saying is, we just can't. But if we just can't, why is the Bible keep on saying that we should have it? We should, we should do these things. We should do that. We should, you should do this. You should believe this. Why is because the simple answer is because that proves that your faith is genuine. If you don't do it because you say it's not guaranteed, then who else are you believing? You are believing what? Your understanding. It's not God. Secondly, that makes you different from the world. Because if you don't do what the Bible is saying, that the world doesn't, is not doing it, then you are going with them. So what's the difference? Then you are not a believer. But if you do it, even if you cannot understand it, if you, even if you can, it's not a guaranteed, but you know God said it. And the scripture says that the Lord will help you, then you will do it. Right? That is faith.
the scripture says that he Jesus is the founder and the finisher of faith. It, as I said, faith is only good as it is connected to Jesus or as it is directed to Jesus. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, it says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to, the, to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of faith. The meaning is that he is the first and the last as an example of faith or of confidence to God. And that is when we look at him, that is what we see. And it gives us confidence because he founded that faith in God. He is the preeminence and the most complete model that can be placed before us. He is above all the heroes of faith and everyone who has been enumerated in chapter 11. The word author means the source or cause of anything or one who makes a beginning. Jesus is the captain and in place before us instead of looking at our faith, the so-called our faith, and instead of looking at the circumstance around us. Let us look on to Jesus. We are to look at his life, holy life, to his patience and perseverance in trials, his endurance of the cross, uh, despising the shame, what he endured in order to obtain the crown, and to his final success and triumph. In the text, we see that it says that after, say, uh, after saying, founder and perfecter of our faith, Kama again, and it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. For me, it looks like the gospel. Right? So, when we run our base, our race, we find life so hard. We find the race of life so hard. We feel like we we will give we are go we are weary we uh, we're about to give up then keep on looking at jesus keep on looking at the cross keep on looking at what he did for us keep on looking at what he accomplished us to, for us uh, we don't really see jesus but we know what he did we see jesus through what he is and what he did Thirdly, the passage encourages us to look to Jesus in times of help. As I said before, no matter how mature we may be in the Christian life, no matter how sincere we try to be obedient to the word of God, we are prone to commit mistakes. We are prone to fail. But thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is seated at the right hand 
of God. It says, after that praise, which, which says, despising the shame, it says, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He will always be there to minister and intercede for us because he is the, our high priest. That is the meaning of or the essence of why he is seated at the right hand of God. At present, he is our high priest. He has already accomplished what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 17 to 20 says, We who have pled for refuge might have the strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having overcome a high priest, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What that means is that Jesus went first into the heavenly sanctuary. He led the way. He has gone there on our account to prepare a place for us. John chapter 14, verse 3. Having such a friend and advocate there, we should be firm in the hope of eternal life. And amidst the storm and tempest around us, we can look at to Jesus and become, for we have a high priest who, uh, there are many uh, verses that talks about us. Uh, in Hebrew chapter 6, verse 20, it says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold past our confession. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. So brothers and sisters, how can or how should we run with endurance the race that is so hard which is set before each one of us? Look unto Jesus, the founder and finisher of our faith. See him, know him through the gospel, the God's word, the good news of salvation. See him as our Lord and Savior. See him as our defender, provider, who is seated at the right hand of God. This, but these are good encouragement. These are good comfort for every one of us. But this is only possible if you have a personal relationship with Christ. This is only possible this can only happen to you. This is applicable to you. If you only, if you have a personal relationship with Christ. If not, I ask you, 
I ask you, by God's grace, admit that you are a sinner who needs help. Confess your sins to God and ask for his forgiveness. Invite Jesus to come into your heart. Be your Lord and Savior. Ask the Lord to take hold and control of your life. And thank him for his great love, mercy, and grace, and his free gift of salvation in Jesus. Uh, again, these are exhortation, these are confrontation, but also this is a good promise to us, a good encouragement to us. Life is not getting easy. But if we have Jesus, we can look up to him. We can come to him all the time because he is seated at the right hand of God. Look to him. Look to him and run your race with endurance. May God help us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. Gracious, gracious.